Hello, and welcome to the Vitality Women Leading Audaciously podcast. I am Jennifer Helene, CEO of Purposeful Ventures, devoted to naturally innovative solutions for the realignment of humanity. We believe that stories connect us, dismantling the illusion of separation, causing healing. This interview will be 20 to 30 minutes long, and I look forward to sharing on Common Ground. Hello, and welcome to Vitality, Women Leading Audaciously. Today, our honored guest is Jasmine Jante. She is the creator of a done-for-you course creation agency. So if you've got an idea, she's the one that brings it to life. Or if you've got a specialty, she can create a course and help you to reach way more people with it. So welcome to the show, Jasmine. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. She's coming to us from Arizona, um, so it's probably not too chilly, but both here and there, it's uh, it's it's actually a little bit chilly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in my sweater here. It's definitely cooled off a fair bit. I've got my scarf on, mostly because I have a wellness injury. I have like a acupuncture bruise. It's really, really ugly. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Wearing a scarf. Um, <laughs> really curious, though, what had you... Um, want to be able to create courses for other people. What was it about your life story and and journey that led you to this? Well, like many entrepreneurs, it happened on accident. Um, I I left, I was a teacher before I went into entrepreneurship and loved teaching, loved imparting knowledge, right? I was a teacher in Detroit, Michigan, in the lowest performing school in the country. So very quickly learned how to make learning simple and fun. Um, but I also burnt out really fast. So I kind of fell into entrepreneurship quickly, uh, learning that I, I couldn't do it in the classroom for any longer and started to build my own programs, started to teach what I knew, started to teach the results that I got in my life. I got people amazing results, incredible, incredible raving fans, but I couldn't seem to scale anything. Like I would try, like I'd build a new program and launch it and then try to scale it and flop. And I just kind of repeated that cycle for a long time until I realized after shutting down my business, so that uh, my own programs, right? I fired all my clients, fired all my team, completely shut everything down and went back to the drawing board. And through conversations, I realized the part I liked the most is actually building the programs. The part I was really good at was actually building the programs. And the part that everybody really wanted my help with, right? All my buddies, all my entrepreneurial friends was building their own programs. And um, that was about two and a half years ago. And since then, I've just been all in and never loved my business more. Oh, I love that. So you work with a team of people, like the copywriters or script writers, the graphic designers, the video editors, like you have, do you have like a team of people with their specialties or? Yes. Yes. So we have, I call them learning experience designers, but they're often known as instructional designers, right? So they're in charge of content, scripting, structure, format, layout, things like that. And then I've got graphic designers. I've got a tech team who does all of the portals and uploads and uh, anything having to do with the techie side of things. Uh, and then I have production partners. So if someone wants production, I have trusted partners that I use around the country. To nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know how old you are. I think I'm older than you, but I, we've seen a lot of evolution in education. You know, there was like the birth of the internet and YouTube, you know, 
was created. And then, you know, everyone was giving everything away for free. That's still happening. But then at somewhere along the way, people said, okay, this has got to stop. You know, there's value in this proposition. So then you had the birth of uh, Moodle back in the day, right? Um, open source stuff, WordPress, learning management systems, now Kajabi, Thinkific, like it's getting like it, there is a huge market for online programs, right? There's no doubt about it. And I think that's actually where we're going. Um, although I think the pandemic really showed us that online learning is great for some and not so great for others. <laughs> but I feel like we're going through this big revolution in education in general and online programming is really uh, a huge part in, in, in where we're going to go. What do you see for the future? I The most immediate thing is AI. Like, you know, it's this AI picture thing that's happened recently in the last week or so. I don't even know the name of it, but. Lenza. Yeah, Lenza. Thank you. So people are starting to catch on that this AI thing is going to be really real. Um, You know, the idea that you can say, I want to have a picture of an otter holding a clam with a pearl inside of it in a river with trees. Like, an AI can produce that image now. Like that's already happened, right? Um, the same thing is starting to happen with content. We've seen it with copywriting. And so, and right now we have an AI that we use to, to for voice. So like our experts, we make an AI of their voice. We script it out. We dub slides over top. And our experts don't have to sit and record anything. They don't have to go to a production studio. It's just done. There's their content. And that's just what we're doing right now. And in the next 18 months, I think we're going to see avatars that are lifelike enough that allow you to create content again without needing to go into a studio and produce it or even film in your home studio right now there's there's avatars out there but they're just not they're not there yet you know they're still a little glitchy but I think a year to 18 months like that's going to change the game so I, I of all the disruptions that might happen and where the industry is going I think AI is the biggest uh the biggest change we're going to see yeah, that's so interesting. And the human connection is partially why people haven't liked this this shift. Um, they they miss the connection and they're not thriving without it. Whereas some people who are introverts who might have social anxiety are really thriving inside of it. So it's just very interesting to see this. And many people, my daughter, my daughter, a 17-year-old daughter, and, and a lot of people in her generation are going to a four-year traditional college, even with a longer pathway. Some are interested in med, of course, law, but a lot of them are like, what's the point? Yep. And that's kind of shocking. Like I'll do an online program and get my degree at Cornell or wherever else. Um, And it's just, uh, it's just fascinating. It's almost like universities have to follow like both lines in order to survive what's happening in the future. Yeah. And I think I I say this often to friends because I'm in the age now where all my friends are having kids, right? And we'll probably have kids in the next few years. And I always say, yeah, like, I kind of hope my kid doesn't go to college. Like, I kind of hope they don't. Unless there's something that they need to go for, right? Like doctors, lawyers. Now, do I want them to have experiences in education? Absolutely. Do I want them to learn and grow and build a career and be successful? A thousand percent. But I do think that like, Sometimes college isn't always aligned with every individual kid. And I like to assume that that's the, the best path when I don't, not for everybody. 
Agreed. Agreed. I just want her to have options. So of course I have a judgment about it. Um, but I think it's kind of cool. She's actually like piecemealing it together and she's doing like her real estate license. And then she wants to do her paralegal certificate. And then she wants to do like counting program. And I'm like, you know, that's actually really brilliant. She's retrofitting mm -hmm. her education. She can do that now with where we are with education online. Now I am really passionate as the name of the podcast is vitality, um, with health. All things, mm -hmm. and so um, I've noticed that the thousands of people I've worked with over the you know decades um, have really only made decisions about changing their life and health based on information education. It's not because I told them to, and they believed me. It was because like they believed the I, the story around it. You know, they believed that like you know fresh air and sunshine and vegetables make you feel better. They just do, right? <laughs> But if you've never experienced it, you wouldn't know. Um, and so uh, in terms of um, like education, like for coaches and therapists and things like that, like, are you seeing that people are actually engaging in these programs or are they just kind of like buying them because they know they need help, but then not doing it? There's both sides of the coin. Like I have seen programs where, and me as a participant in programs, like me, myself, I have bought programs that I see as like a resource that's on the shelf. Should I need it? Right. And then there's other programs where I know I have to take every single step to get the result. And so I've done that inside of programs as well. I think course completion rates is like something you hear a lot in the digital marketer world as a marker of success. And I, that's not actually true for every program. Like I'm thinking of an email marketing course I took recently and I logged in and I pulled the, the workbooks and like the deliverables that they included. And I used that and I got the results. I didn't watch a single video. So if you were to look at me as a student inside that program, I look like a horrible student, right? Yeah. But like, I actually completely got the result I was looking for. Mm. So I think it really just depends on like, what's the program that you're building? What's the outcome? What do they actually need to do to get the results inside your program? And then looking at it through that lens. For sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, I know that for health and especially lifestyle change, mm -hmm. um, I find that, that, that participants really need a partner. Mm-hmm. They need an accountability partner or a buddy or even the person who's, you know, hosting the program. And even if it's in a group environment, I think having that live, like showing up, like I am accountable, I do matter. What I said last week is going to be mentioned this week, you know, like, because you can't hide in that way. Like an online program, you can hide so well. And you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I, I learned everything. Mm -hmm. But what's the point if you don't put into action? You know, I just feel like it's like inertia and it's mm -hmm. true to form. So... Yeah, I'm really motivated by the results people can get um, with online programs if they're done well. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite tips, especially for health programs, because health is interesting because it's like the the journey to transformation can take a really long time. You know, like just depending on where you're coming from and what your starting point is, like you might not actually feel a result. Well, depending on what you're doing, depending on the program. But like I'm thinking about weight loss programs we've built. And like for some of those women, they can do the right thing for months and not see a pound come off. And then all of a sudden it comes off later. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about that, one of my favorite ways to help fuel their motivation is to include testimonials from other previous participants inside of the content. Like we so often think like, oh, I need to sell in market on the front end before they buy, like before the paywall, but you need to keep that going after the paywall too. So like, don't just put testimonials on your sales page, like 
put them all inside your program, help them understand that it's like normalize the journey for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's really hard to know who to trust these days. It, you know, it is like unbelievable. I remember when COVID first started and um, I was leading a group of a few hundred students and I was saying, Hey, we just found out that zinc and vitamin D and quercetin are really critical for like, you know, this, for fending off this virus. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we were flagged like in 12 hours, Facebook was like, sent an email to all the members in the group. They were like, be careful. This person is giving you false information. I'm like, what? I'm like, we're talking about zinc and vitamin D. <laughs> it was like, These are, there's no downside here. <laughs> I know, but I'm not, I'm not Facebook, you know, but it's like, it was so interesting. And it's, I just think it's so hard for people to know, you know, who to trust, um, who is an expert, you know, like, it's just, it's really, it's really tricky inside of this popularity contest and just this transformation that we're going through right now. How do you navigate? Do you have any, any tips on, um, on that, how people can have an authenticity radar or, um, expert validity radar? I think the, the first thing that people look at is like credentials. Like, do they have a book? Do they have a PhD? Do they, and honestly, some of the, the best experts I've ever learned from don't have any of that. I know. Like it's all like first person. Like I went through this, I lived this. This is my, like, this is my lived experience that I'm teaching you from, not from the positioning of like, I'm a doctor who went to school, you know, not to say that those people can be wrong. I mean, I, there's some doctors I follow that are fabulous and incredible. Yeah. yeah um. Sure. So like, first is like, just kind of grain of salt that, you know, like, don't just look at, do they have credentials and let that be the only thing you make your decision. Based yeah. On. yeah. Yeah. So true. So you said that you are getting married. You're, you have a fiance. Mm -hmm. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you have your business. Uh, and so how do you maintain your vitality despite, you know, your entrepreneurship and your, you know, your budding life? Yeah, I I mean it's nothing like new. <laughs> like nothing revolutionary here but um move my body. You know, I love uh reformer pilates. Have you done reformer pilates? I have. Yeah. It's really fun. It's really hard. Um and it's funny because I'm a yogi. I got to do yoga. I'm like yeah. really hardcore. But the guy who I follow is BKS Iyengar, and mm -hmm. Joseph Pilates is, is, from what I understand, had has a lot of had a lot of similar traits. They both were kind of militant and like really hardcore and very detail oriented. And so I, I think I think if I were to do it, I would love it. Um, but yoga and Pilates seem to be kind of like separate somehow. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that we do sometimes like yoga hybrid, yoga Pilates hybrid, but just like being on something about it. Like when I do yoga, I have hurt myself in yoga, like a lot, <laughs> like a lot, a lot. And I realized it's cause I, I don't have the same, um, I, I don't receive the same information that I do when I'm on a Pilates reformer, something about like the tension yeah. in certain places really like helps me feel my body more just me as a human yeah. um and so that like I made the shift toward reformers and that's been really great for me amazing um, love that. yeah so, so super love moving my body I also like I, if you're watching the recording you saw my dog walking around earlier I think having a dog or some kind of pet is the biggest health hack out there because 
they're always happy to see you. They make you get outside and move your body. Like they treat you like you should treat yourself. You know? So I just, yeah. I really think like having some kind of pet, I mean, I'm a dog person, but pet I'll say uh, is a huge, huge health hack that when I look at, you know, the lowest points in my life, usually the rebound, there was adopting a dog as a part of that rebound. Hey, it's true. Yeah. I've heard that from a lot of people, but you're the first person on the Vitality Podcast in over a hundred episodes that has mentioned that as a health hack. And I completely agree with you. I'm, I have two dogs and they do, they force me to get outside every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always feel like I'm cheating on my dogs though. <laughs> if I'm going out without them, I'm like, Feel, I always feel torn, but I do. I'm one of those crazy, like, love dog people. Mm-hmm. I thought they were weird before I got a dog, and now I'm like, I'm so one of them. <laughs> <laughs> These are my people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, It's true. They're just pure joy, pure love, mm-hmm. uh, pure goodness, and they just, um, they only bring good. I can, all, yeah, for me, at least, my experience, but I'm a new one. So you love to move. I think movement's really key, too. I think it's far more impactful than any intellectual framework, psychology, you know, DBT, um, CBT, like all those things. Like I really think movement is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. So movement's your key. Do you move every day? No, well, I walk every day. Bodies a couple times a week, you know? And yeah. Um, yeah, I try to, I just try to say, I mean, it's really great being in Arizona because there's no excuse. There's no snow on the ground. It never really rains. Like just, <laughs> get outside and there's usually a sun there to greet you oh arizona and california we are so lucky so like, blessed so blessed yeah. so when's the date like when are you guys getting married when are you talking to not no date no date we uh we got engaged i don't know six weeks ago we haven't even announced it publicly yet oh wow and, that's um, new that's exciting yeah so super new we're probably gonna do a micro wedding like 20 people tops and just go somewhere beautiful and have a good time. Like that's my my vibe. (laughs) Yeah. Destination wedding all the way. That's a great idea. I did that. My first marriage, my only marriage to date. Um, We're divorced now, but we had a 20 person wedding and it was great because we spent time with every single person at the wedding. I have vivid memories of each person there and my conversations, interactions, moments with them. Yeah. That's that's cool. Yeah. And it was in Switzerland. So it was just like really magical. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Really, really beautiful. So destination, small wedding is tough. I can only recommend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are a lot of women who are listening who feel really overwhelmed by the idea of putting their expertise um, or the areas of passion that they have um, into, into a program or into a system that could help others. But I know that it's in a lot of people's hearts who are listening. Um, do you have any advice for them on either, you know, how they can find you and, or what they could do uh, in the interim to kind of help themselves, you know, flush out these ideas to see if it's a viable opportunity and option for them? Yeah. I, I think before building the course comes building the offer, right? So these are two distinct things. The course is the trainings that they're going to get, the workbooks they're going to get, the learning journey that they're going through. Um, however, in order to make sure that learning journey sells, first you have to build the offer, which is what's the big promise? Who's it for? What's the transformation you're giving them? What's the price point? 
what's the process to transformation? What do they get? You know, like think about anything that you'd see on a typical sales page, right? You have to figure out that first. And then my favorite way to go and test it is to go talk to 10 of your ideal clients and say, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this thing. What do you think? Because I know plenty of people who've spent so much money and even more time building programs that never actually sell because they didn't do the work to test it before they built it. So kind of like think about like writing a book before you write the book, make sure the book is something people are going to want to buy. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good advice. That's really sound advice. Do you think people need, um, you know, these fancy learning management systems um, if it's not an academic program, like Thinkific or Kajabi or Adobe or some of the others, um, or do you think that they could deliver it in different different ways? The most low-tech way to deliver a course is with Google Drive. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you can literally give people access to a Google Drive folder with the trainings in it. Now, is that protected? No, because they can technically go and share that folder with anybody else, right? So there's pros and there's cons, there's risks to it. However, if you're only doing it with a small group of people and there are people you trust and maybe they sign a contract, like there's ways to kind of mitigate that risk. So that's like the lowest, lowest tech option. And then some of these LMS systems, the Thinkific, the Teachable, the Kajabi, the Mighty Networks Experience, if I could go on, there's so many. That's like, you know, another really solid option that, aren't that expensive. I mean, I think like you can get into them for a hundred bucks a month or less, you know, so it give you that added layer of protection for your content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then even you can, you can just teach things live as well, which if you're launching a program for the first time, I mean, I launched, when I first started launching my program, this was like, oh gosh, like five years, five or six years ago, I launched my first program and it was Zoom links in a calendar invite. And when they bought the program with an invoice on QuickBooks or Stripe or whatever I had at the time, yeah. I would add them to the ca- the recurring calendar invites for the six weeks of the program. And I would just teach it live. That's, so, yeah. So it doesn't have to be complicated at all. Um, yeah. That's, I love that. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Keep it simple. Keep the momentum going. Right. Yeah, well, I think at the end of the day, it really depends on the intention of the program um, and, of course, the compl- the complexity of, of the content. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if you have a really, you know, academic offering, then, you know, you probably want to, you know, you know, organize it properly in a learning management system and track people's progress and, you know, have proper, you know, like, it's, it's really an art what, what you do, uh, specifically around the, the testing, the questions, the way that um, the content is is formulated, the journey that they're on, uh, because you know the G Drive thing is is clearly a completely different experience than some of the other learning management system you know presentations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think I'll be a student forever. I don't know about you, but there's so many things I still want to learn. Yes, it's such a blessing. Like, because that's all we do is we just learn new things all day. Like, we just finished a course on how to do cosmetic tattooing. Like, it was a cosmetic tattooing certification, like eyebrows and eyeliners and lips. And we were doing things on, you know, mortgage loan rates and how to get the mortgage loan, the best mortgage loan rate, how like culture, how to, how to sell to people of all backgrounds, like, like literally immigration law, like, wow. so it's, 
You get to learn so much doing what you do. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's all over the map. Mm -hmm. So there's these, there are some like older programs out there as well. Um, and they like, they want to sell CDs. And I was like, well, I really want this program, but I actually don't have a CD player anymore. Like, I don't know how I would, how I would purchase this. I kind of want you to approach this company. Um, there are a lot of people listening who are really into health and beauty. Mm -hmm. And um, it's very common, especially where I live, uh, for women to get plastic surgery, injections, um, you know, to do things that are you know, quite invasive to maintain their youth and, and external vitality. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this one concept is this woman who does like face weightlifting. I know it sounds strange, but you basically completely change your face and rebuild the structure of your face with like different techniques of massage and actually like... Mm -hmm. I don't know how it works exactly. That's why I want to share the program. But like the washa thing, it's similar yeah. but different. It's okay. different. It's like even more specific. Like it's a whole system. And I'm like, I want to learn the system, but I don't have a CD player. <laughs> it's like, I like this from the like 1970s. Like it really looks like it's from that day. Um, anyway, so I just uh, would love to see you know all programs be able to be available and accessible um, online one day because it's really. Um, the only place to be as long as we have electricity and internet. Yep. It's fascinating. A lot of the, the programs that reach that older demographic, like right now we're building a tax liens program, like how to invest in tax liens. And uh, it is for most, most of their clients are sixties, seventies even. Right. And so when they tested just buying the online program, just buying the CDs and both, You'd be surprised how many people just buy the CDs because, because they're like, I don't want to have to figure out this online thing, hmm. you know? So it really just like depends on the demo. And that's why I'm like, like I was talking to someone from um, performance golf a, a few weeks ago, a few months ago. And I was like, yeah, you might want to test the CDs because it's the same demo. And like, never would they think like, oh, well, let me test the CDs, but it's all about knowing your ideal client and what they actually want and need. However, in your case, it's like, with this weightlifting program, this facial weightlifting program, which is so fascinating, uh, they should be offering it as an option, right? Because their ideal clients want the option. <laughs> so definitely. Yeah. I hope they're listening. I'm sure they're not, but, uh, <laughs> well, send them an email. I'm happy. We're happy to build their portal for them. Okay. That's great. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, are there any other um, pieces of advice or words of wisdom you'd like to leave our listeners with uh, just about, you know, being a woman, being an entrepreneur, um, following your heart, you know, so to say what you love um, and finding success inside of that? Because a lot of people don't give themselves permission to do that and um, are struggling. Yeah, I think uh, one piece of advice I could leave you with is to celebrate like remember to celebrate and not just the outputs. Don't just celebrate, you know, when you land the client or launch the course or hit the revenue goal, like celebrate the inputs, you know, when you show up and you do your five engagements that day, like you were supposed to, and even if it doesn't lead to anything, you know, like celebrate yourself showing up in those little small wins every day. We, um, my best friend and I launched a podcast about a month ago it's called dog moms do business and we had this podcast launch party on the day of, and we had so many beautiful friends like show up and celebrate us and like 
some people brought us flowers and like, we didn't expect any of this. We were like, yeah, let's come like have a good time because like, let's celebrate and why not? And I realized like, it really hit me deeply how little we celebrate ourselves for doing amazing things in business. And like I said, not just the outputs of this wasn't like, oh, you know, we launched in the top, you know, 250 in the US, which we did, but we didn't find out that till months, like a month later, but it was celebrating the input of like, we did it. Like that was enough to celebrate. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that. I think we're so hard on ourselves, especially the women listening, because we're mostly type A's. And we're just like, it's never enough, you know, you got to do more. And it's like, no, celebrate. I love that. Cause we, I don't do that enough. Me neither. Me neither. What a great reminder. Yep. Yeah. You've given so many great tips today. Oh, yeah. Places for people to start and to keep it simple, um, to, uh, to share your gifts. I mean, that's, that's what I got. Um, you didn't say that specifically, but you know, we have to share our gifts. We mm-hmm. all have them to offer. And I think online programs are just an excellent way to do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. Please contact me if you're interested in cultivating more vitality at jennifer-helene.com on the contact page. If you know this episode would be of value to your community, please share it on all of your social media channels. Maybe you are a successful working mom who would like to share your story on this podcast. Please visit podcast.jennifer-helene.com backslash podcast-guest to apply. And you might know someone who would be an ideal guest. If so, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Vitality Women Leading Audaciously. I absolutely love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. It mean a lot to me and my team in getting the word out about how to realign humanity with purpose. Purposeful Ventures is a company that is helping moms succeed in revitalizing their lives, relationships, businesses, and health. Please join a more personal conversation by working directly with me, joining my private Facebook group or one of my programs. This is Jennifer Helene, and thanks for spending your precious time with me.